1937, Fox distributed a film based on a novel by Joanna Spirey. The film starred Shirley Temple at the height of her fame. That was Heidi. And this is Godfellas. Tonight, we will be talking about the 1937, I don't know if it's a classic, but the film Heidi starring the late, the great Shirley Temple. But before we uh, get into that. She's a classic. She's a classic. The film, you know, well, I guess we'll talk about it. (laughs) But before we talk about it, ladies and gentlemen, let your hearts be glad. There's joy today. We are so excited to have him. He is a hilarious actor, he is a very talented improviser, and he is one of the hosts on a little podcast called Thank the Academy. Actually, there's nothing little about it. It's incredible. You should check it out right now. But if you're listening, keep on listening, and please help us welcome our guest, Mr. Zachary Fanoff. Yay. <laughs> How you doing? How you doing, Zachary? I'm doing good. What a welcome. I also well, never had say... such an introduction before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have often said that none of the guests can live up to Zach's introductions. They're always quite, quite full of fanfare. I mean, I Real. am very funny and a great improviser, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I just realized like a while ago that I actually met Zach a couple of years ago through a mutual friend, uh, Peter. They, I think you guys both went to UCB together, and I was at your uh, your final performance. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> so again, I I saw him, saw and saw how funny he was. And if you listen to our a week away episode, uh, his sister Kayla was on that show. So when I heard, uh, thank the Academy, I was like, well, there's more talent to be. Um, to be considered as as guests on this show. So thank you for joining us and for talking about uh, the classics. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And the reason I wanted you specifically is because with these older movies, it can be a little tricky to um, make sure the guests watch them. <laughs> There's been a few times where I'm talking about the movie and the guests will be like, I don't remember that. And I'm like, it was a pretty significant part in the movie. I, yeah. I hope you watched it. But I know you guys have had to sit through just some... Some true bores and some true some true <laughs> bummers of, of movies. So I knew that uh, that Heidi, this movie that's not even ninety minutes long, would be a uh, pretty pretty light. Yeah, this for, one felt you know. like a walk in the park compared to some others. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, so again, I'm a, I'm a big fan of your podcast. And uh, do you want to maybe talk a, a little bit about what what that show is? Yeah. So in Thank the Academy, it's me and my wife, Kristen, and we are watching through all of the Academy Award winning best pictures in order from 1929 to the present. 
And each episode, we do a deep dive into the cultural history, the history in America, in in the world, uh, regarding the film, regarding the culture, around the award ceremony, around things pertaining to the film and film history. So it's a fun time. Yeah, I'm, again, big fan and... I'm unfortunately yeah, I, not familiar with the podcast. I'm sorry to say, but what year are you guys up to? I'm just curious. We just released the 12th episode uh, as of the recording of this podcast, and okay. that would be Gone with the Wind. <laughs> Gone with the Wind. Yeah. So it, it is very interesting because I know quite a bit of Oscar trivia. Mm-hmm. So. A lot of these shows, I just find myself going, yep, I knew that. And genuinely, with your show, most of it, I'm like, oh, I had no idea. And I like that you dig into um, the culture and what was going on in you know, America and the world at, at the time. Because I think a lot of times, we want to dismiss that and say, like, well, you, you, know, you have to take the movie for what it was. But I think it's also important to consider... Uh, the time period and and things like that. Yeah, and I think it's it's fairly evident today as anybody who's watching or into the Academy Awards that it is very politicized. It is sure. a lot of a, I don't know, a lot of pageantry. There's a lot of favoritism mm-hmm. that's easy to see with present day films. And I think it's harder to find that when you go back and look at films from the 20s and 30s and 40s if you don't really know what was happening in the film world, in the studio system, and all of that garbage and right. fun times. <laughs> right. Uh, so we'll get into why I chose this film in a bit, but I'm, I'm curious, um, as you have seen, you know, probably many, many classic films, um, I phrased this question kind of weird, but would you say that the vast majority of films had some kind of religious undertone to them in the early days of cinema? Well, for sure. I would wager to say that the vast majority of films in general have a lot of religious undertones. Uh, Interesting. Just because people are spiritual beings. and Sure. Um, but yeah, in the, in the 20s and 30s and 40s, there's a lot of religious more explicit religious and christian undertones than right a lot of films would have today for sure right absolutely and so i think when we started this show it it was kind of hard because there's either the stuff on pure flicks or these kind of old classics so kind of finding like Mm. some middle ground and and things like that can be a little tricky, but I'm excited to uh, to try something new tonight. So uh, let's get into let's get into the movie. Saddle up your horses. One of the things I wanted to do with Godfellas was I wanted to talk about movies that weren't necessarily made by uh, faith based companies, but films that had very clear religious, um, specifically Christian undertones. <laughs> Or overtones in some <laughs> situations. Uh, so, on a whim, I found like myself just watching this movie for some reason. I don't know why. I think it was just on. And uh, when I was a kid, I would watch Shirley Temple movies at my grandmother's house every summer. Did uh, did either of you have any experience with uh, Shirley Temple growing up or now? I definitely did. Um, I grew up watching lots of 
classic films and musicals in particular. Sick. Um, so Shirley Temple was definitely high on our <laughs> list at home. My mom loves classic musicals, and so nice. she always would try to get us to watch the films that she liked to watch when she was growing up. And of course, a lot of those were Shirley Temple and you know what have you. Her favorite is Sound of Music. Um, nice. So yeah, I've seen quite a few of these Shirley Temple films. <laughs> Definitely saw this film, I don't know, 10 to 15 times when I was little as well. Wow. Do you have a favorite Shirley Temple film? Um, I kind of thought it was this one. Rewatching it, I was kind of like, huh, it's all right. I don't know. <laughs> it, I definitely remembered it in a more rosy view, I think, as right. a child. Um, but Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm is very good. That would be in my, in yeah. my In my memory, anyways. <laughs> did you watch the black and white version growing up or did you have the the version that they transferred to color um that's a good question i think probably the black and white okay and brandon what about what about you so i definitely was aware of shirley temple growing up but i did not have um a formal education into her movies uh this is probably the first one i've ever seen if wow yeah if i'm remembering correctly and um it just happens to turn out that uh this was my wife's uh favorite movie as a little girl so that uh worked out quite nicely for our viewing uh, for my viewing purposes this time and um we actually uh, showed the movie to um, my daughter Reagan, and um, yeah, it was a, it was just like a, a really fun little time, you know, for um, for us, as, you know, especially the fact that I had not ever seen a Shirley Temple movie, so um, I was pleasantly surprised um, with now, now with the film. Now, now that you've seen one, what do what do you think about Ms. Temple? I mean, she definitely has like a shtick. You know, and she I'm, I'm guessing like just ha not having seen any of the other ones, I'm guessing she kind of sticks closely to it, you know, bouncy, optimistic. Like it was fun. Like it definitely put a smile on my face a couple of times. Uh, I liked her character. I think, you know, just kind of based on this, you know, viewing experience, I would maybe like to show a few of the other ones uh, to my daughter and, you know, just. I don't know, uh, explore, explore her other films a little bit. Yeah. How did she like it? Cause when I was watching it, I was thinking, Oh, I bet some kids today would still pretty like this movie a lot. Yeah. So kind of my barometer is the less talking she does, the better, the less moving around <laughs> and talking she does me. Well, it means she's engaged in the movie more. If she is sitting right. silent glued, she's engaged. And I was trying to figure out why, and uh, we actually did watch the black and white version. She has almost no exposure wow. to black and white movies. Um, any really stuff d that is not animated, even older animation, she kind of like is a little hot and cold on. So mm, right. I was ready for this movie to not vibe with her, but she was Me glued too. to it. She loved it. I think it's the Shirley Temple character. I think it's another little girl. Um, mm -hmm. seeing a little girl on screen, I think is what she connected with. 
So. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you were kind of talking about how fun this movie is because, like, yeah, it's fun, but it's also like it's kind of of a, of a dark movie, mm-hmm. which we'll we'll get into in in a bit. But I I just found a couple of uh fun little facts, which apparently Shirley Temple, when they made this movie, was so famous that like she had to be walked to set by eight bodyguards wow. like every single day. And would get there like seconds before it was time for her to shoot, just because you know the fans were absolutely her fans of adults were absolutely insane in in that time period. And and Zach, I'm wondering if you could speak to that at all as someone who's you know spent a lot of time studying like classic film and stuff like that. Yeah. So this came out in 1937. So this is after her juvenile Oscar win, even mm. right. Um, right. So she won that in 1935, I believe, at the 1935 award for wh- ceremony. For which movie was that? Um, it was just sort of a a general award. Gotcha. I, okay. I think. Um, but that also in the year 1935 was when she got her landmark deal with um, 21st Century, or it would have been mm-hmm. 20th Century Fox. Um, <laughs> Or it may have even just been Fox. I don't remember if they had merged at the time or not. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, basically making her one of the highest paid uh, actors in general in Hollywood. Wow. Um, so at the time of this film, she was one of the highest paid in Hollywood. More than Clark mm-hmm. Gable, even, at the time. I bet he loved that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's actually let's actually talk about the movie. Uh listening audience, if you're unfamiliar, this is the story about a little girl and as is the case in most Shirley Temple movies, she is an orphan uh and she goes to live with her grandfather who um is the most terrifying man I've ever seen in my life. And oh, he's cuddly. She eventually- He's kind of he's like, later, a, he's, later, he's like a teddy bear. All the all the kids assume that he's Santa right away. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. he's supposed to be really scary looking, but yeah. they immediately think he's Santa. But even then, I love that that the grant is just like throwing those kids out of his way later. Mm. <laughs> so she ends up like living with him and she softens his heart. And then mm-hmm. Heidi is is kidnapped by her aunt and forced to live with some rich girl we'll we'll kind of talk about more of that uh as we move on but so just first impressions when the movie started uh zach i know you said you'd watch this one 10 to 15 times watching it now with adult eyes is there anything that kind of struck you about maybe the the first to second act of this movie i i was pleasantly surprised at how natural of an actor shirley temple felt Right. I felt like I know you said that she had a bit of a shtick, um, Brandon. But I, to me, I felt like if she was living today, she mm. could compete still as an actor. Right. Um. So I was surprised by that. I I was really impressed by the sets. Um. I'm not sure exactly where they filmed this, if it was on a lot or not. Um. But. Mm-hmm. I was impressed by the sets. I was impressed by her natural acting. Um, I was a little surprised how thrown around she was as an yeah. actor. She got like headbutted by the goat. And did you hear the story about about the goat? No. So she had done it like I think she did it twice, and then her mom came in and was like, "She's not doing it again." And 
there was like a little boy who was just hanging out and they put him in Shirley Temple's clothes. So in the movie, that's a little boy. And apparently the dad of the son was so mortified that like his son had been dressed as a little girl that he like forbade his kid from ever acting again. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so those were that that was the time period. Thank you 1930s. <laughs> um so so Brandon, you I, again, I'm, I'm very interested because you'd never seen this movie. Opening movie, grandfather kind of comes at his kid, she thinks she's going to be murdered multiple times. Uh, he's kind of scary and very cold. What what were you thinking at as the beginning of the as the movie was kind of kicking off? So I actually love the way, and I want to clarify. I think when I use the word shtick, I think I just mean she kind of has like a a, a character that she gets into. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I assume it's a. I'm I'm making large assumptions here, but I assume it's similar across her other films. It may not be. I it don't is. think it's. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. so that being said, I don't think it's bad. I think it's good. I think you can't, I think it's easy to recognize her optimism. I think it's quite intoxicating actually at times. Um, and like I said before, you can't help but smile um, that she just doesn't let anything get her down. And she, I think there is a, a moment in, you know, and she, she does kind of like wince like, cause she thinks, you know, she's been she's been told by someone that um, that he's going to cut her cut her head off. And I, I think she you know, she right. thinks it's coming and it doesn't. And I think like after that, she just doesn't let anything get her down. She kind of like bounces off one thing onto the next thing. Where will I sleep? And oh, I'll just sleep up here and I'll, you know, yeah. I'll find my bed. And I, I love how whatever her grandfather is, it can't be as bad as her aunt. I, I, that's the impression sure. I'm getting Ooh. here. You know, it's yeah. like she's seen worse. So he's a walk on the park so far, you know, to her and she's, yeah. you know, she's just gonna, gonna go with the flow and make it work. Um, I love the way they set her character up. I think that was what stood out to me the most. Yeah. So here's, here, I don't want to, bury the lead about why there's a Godfellas about this episode, but I watched this movie and I realized the plot of Heidi is the plot of like every crappy Christian movie, whereas you have like a grumpy main character who's very sad with the way that their life is going and they just, you know, someone comes into their life and it's, you just need to go church, go back to church and then everything will be okay. And uh, so the grandfather character, that is literally what happened and there's a scene where he sits down to read the bible he opens it there's a picture of jesus and the orchestra just goes to a full swell Mm. and in that moment i said we are doing a godfellas about this movie (laughs) um and so i i know a lot of um i think conservative parents are pretty particular about not wanting their kids to watch stuff that might have like undertones of like other religions and stuff like this. So I'm, I'm wondering just from both of you, how a movie like Heidi, how do you think um, the, the undertones or I guess the pretty aggressive Christian overtones, how do you think that that plays into the film? I think for me, it doesn't dominate the film, which, yeah, which made it like it made it well it made it okay it made it it made it not feel clunky to me i think um the you know maybe the 
most overt portion. Yeah, there's a couple, but one of them is the reading of the um, the scriptures and the uh, the prodigal son story. And I think <laughs> what? Well, okay, sure. But one thing it did was offer a little insight into the grandpa's backstory. Without it, it was it was almost a. Um, it was almost. You said the prodigal son. I thought lost sheep. My my apologies. No, no, no. I yeah. Sorry. I am correct, right? He was reading the yeah, prodigal yeah, you're, son. No, you're you're right. Yeah, yeah. I was sorry. Kind of, I was woofing about the scene later, but which we'll talk about. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Keep, keep the, oh, the scene in the church, right? Where <laughs> yes. the pastor gets yeah. up gets up on the the pulpit and leans and looks right at him. Yeah, that was that was sloppy, but yeah. uh, I thought the story time with Heidi was actually kind of good because it was a way for us to get a little glimpse into his backstory without him saying, you know, Heidi, I had a son one time. Yeah. I think that would have been not quite as good. So to me, that part was fine. I thought it was, it was, um, not clunky. Yeah. That to me was a nice, um, way to tell that bit of his son had i don't know done something in a way that mm-hmm. he had left his life or he was sad about that that gave a lot of insight into his character without there needing to be a bunch of clunky exposition mm-hmm. right well well you you say that but there is also a scene where the pastor goes to visit blind anna and he just says like why don't you tell me about old adolf up there in the hill and she <laughs> says the whole thing so yeah that's true yeah and the, but then I think it would have been better to kind of leave that out of out of the movie. Well, the, so there but you again, go. I, That's the sloppy scene. I don't think it's the other one. Right. It's right. it's no, that I, scene there. No, I agree. I agree. I was saying I thought the scene in the church is where sure. he's just like the nineteen. The one sheep has come home. I thought okay. <laughs> if you've not seen this movie, people, I thought that the pastor character was so goofy. Like mm-hmm. he ends every line with the word neighbor. He's <laughs> like, like he felt like if you were doing like a stereotypical, like in a sketch, like 1930s pastor, this guy seemed like that. I don't, what did we think of, uh, of the old, the old reverend in this film? Well, and I would say one constant through religious over or undertones in uh, movie or book history is the goofy pastor. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that goes back as far as Jane Austen even. Right. Yeah, and I'm from the Bible Belt, so <laughs> I've met plenty of goofy pastors. I think this one kind of rolled off my back like, you know, some of the other ones, so I he didn't really bother me. I didn't fixate on him too much. Um in complete agreement about the lost sheep sermonette, but right, right. um yeah, he's um, which isn't a sermon, by the way. He's just reading. He's, he's just, just reading the scripture. <laughs> it, was, it was just a timely scripture With a little passage. Emotion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's strange that they are so fixated on the town of the grandpa being so bad when, yeah. whenever he interacts with other humans, he seems like a just a normal person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how uh, the town is. I don't know, relentlessly talking trash about this man. <laughs> and no like, wonder he doesn't want to go to the church. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'm kind of like, I'm watching that and I'm like, I get it. But I feel like, and Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, but culturally it seems like 
this movie is trying to like reinforce like an American, hey, everybody, like we know that there's all there's a lot of drama right now in the world, but if we all go to church and go to school and like stick to the status quo and stop leaving the church and things like that, everything will be okay. I felt like that was kind of a very subliminal sneaky message that they were and I, again I haven't read the book so and I that's could be what I was totally going to say wrong. I wonder yeah. how much of that is as explicit in the book as well I mean it could yeah, be like almost the same I don't I don't know I haven't read the book I the think you message- could come to your I think you could come to some of your own conclusions about some of that but you could also distill this down to a very simple tale and I think right. that's what I did at least during this first watch I, I think I was able to just distill it down to its more simple mess, simple story, you know, about a, um, a hardened grandpa, you know, he's got some, some stuff going on in his past and he really grows. Um, he really starts caring about his granddaughter. And I think that was the part that, um, connected with me. Yeah. Um, favorite part in the movie and Brandon, this really reminded me of you is when, uh, Shirley <laughs> Temple says, I like to hear the church bells. Don't you grandfather? Get to bed. I'm not even tired. <laughs> I said get to bed. <laughs> uh, I, I that was great. So if we're wondering why Reagan maybe wasn't frightened by a, a, a gruff man, it's because her, yeah, her father's quite, quite gruff. Uh, yeah. Did you, what did you think of grandpa's makeup and, and beard? He looked like a wild man. It was, it was yeah. quite wild. Yeah, it, not a wig at all. That I wish I really the I wish the hair would have. It was just flying away at all times. I loved his hat though, like his traveling yeah, hat and, and cloak. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I thought it was quite a, quite a nice little uh, bit of um, wardrobe there. But yeah, hair, facial hair was quite quite messy. Yeah, yeah. So. I think what jumps out to this movie is that what jumps out to me about this movie, though, is that it it seems like they're talking about, you know, the content of this movie where they're talking about, like, the church and how it's a generally a good thing and where everybody should be. It's saying that, like, the audience is, is sitting there going, like, you know, well, yes, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's that's exactly what it's supposed to be. And I feel like, you know, 1930s, we're coming out of the Great Depression where people are. You know, just, you know, I th- I wonder, Zach, do you think Shirley Temple was successful because, you know, she was making very cheery films in a very depressing time? Because, like, hmm. the theater industry, it was like a nickel to get in back then. So it was everybody could go to the movies during, like, you know, this terrible time in America and feel something better. So do you think that Shirley Temple was successful because of that? Yeah, definitely. I don't think she would she as a person would have had as much success in pretty much any other era. Yeah. Um, The thirties and even into some of the forties, all films that are successful are big escape films. Um, Right. Right. The films that are about the current plight in America are (laughs) completely unsuccessful. Um, And the audience is very much of the mind that they don't want to see any kind of message related to, you know, pick yourself up or do it yourself and you'll succeed. The kind of things that we have today, very individualistic. That was not the tune of the day for sure. And it is interesting because, again, the 
the message of the movie seems to be like get yourself into a church community. It's you know, it's not about like but like and it's interesting cuz the villain of the movie Aunt Dee Dee is the woman who's like trying to for lack of a better term like make her own way, who's like, you know, I'm going to try to make a lot of money and I'm going to try to get a new job and I'm going to try to be more successful. And I mean, she also abducts a child and like sells her. So like, mm-hmm. well, she and does I was, other bad I was wondering too, too yeah. if that was of that resonated with people because there were people willing to do anything during that time right. to make a little money. I mean, there were people in America who sold their children just because, you know, they thought it would create a better life for them or they needed money so badly that they would sell their children. Yeah. Yeah. Desperate. I also felt like the church and like the pastor could have been a stand in for almost anything in like that community or that society. Like uh, the grandpa had completely withdrawn from everyone, everything. So I feel like it also could have Mm -hmm. been a open yourself back up to people, you know, um, Mm -hmm. talk to people, get involved in your community. I think there are other ways. I think they were just using the pastor and the church as kind of like, um, uh, a vessel in that, in that sense. Right. Um, so anyway, I think, um, I think I, I would have just given a, like, yeah, just painted that with a little bit of a broader brush. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, fun fact, uh, Zach, you asked about where this was filmed. It was not filmed in the Alps. It was filmed in Lake Arrowhead in California. Okay. So, hmm. you know, again, hats off to the, the people designing the sets for this movie. So m- moving on, uh, I guess we'll, we'll talk about the rest of the movie where we meet Fraulein, Fraulein Rottenmeier, which like might be yep. so many thoughts about her. Yeah, my favorite. Villain she was the most ever, frightening but... person to me. I yeah. Mean. So, yeah. do you uh, guys know uh, about um, Munchausen by proxy? Um, I'm a little familiar, but uh, educate. So, me, this to me, watching it now with a modern perspective, it seems like that should be brought into the conversation of this yeah. film. Um, right. So Munchausen by proxy, the most uh, famous case of this is with uh, Gypsy Rose Lee. Um, there's a great documentary on HBO called Mommy Dead and Dearest. Um, and then Hulu produced um, a uh, short series called The Act um, right. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically the idea is that you have this person who is in a caregiver situation and the person that they're caring for may sort of be sick or have some ailment or something, but then they continually make this person sick um, on purpose to continue to care for them. It's like a, a mental right. disability right. or disorder that they have in, their, in the caregiver's brain that causes mm-hmm. them to continually harm this person. Um, so the, in the case of Gypsy Rose Lee, she is kept in a wheelchair, which is the same as this film, and um, she is being poisoned and other things, having surgeries done on her to make her unwell. But it was very interesting with the knowledge of these things in modern society to watch this and see how Rottenmeier is like basically forcing her to be in this wheelchair. And she has had an injury, so... Right, right. But um, 
this whole idea that she could be, or it appears to be that she is keeping her here so that she has purpose in life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had mixed feelings about the character of Clara in that she learns upon learning that Heidi has been taken away from her home against her will and Rotten Myers, like we're sending you back home again, Clara, who realizes that this girl is, does not want to be here says, no, I know. I like her. I want her to stay. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know how much I can was, blame a girl who's never had anyone remotely close to her age around. Um, I think mm-hmm. there's a little bit of redemption there though. Like she sure. was like, just stay. And, if you still want to leave, I forget the time that elapsed. If you still want to leave, I'm sure my dad would be more than happy to send you home. Um, the truly fr- frightening, <laughs> the truly frightening portion comes when the father's like, no, you're staying. And I was like, oh, yeah. I thought this guy was a good guy. <laughs> that was actually yeah. pretty like ter- terrifying act to me. Yeah, and and I, it is interesting because going back to the whole like where America was idea yeah, the dad is the bad guy when he's like, no, you don't you don't want to go home to your mm-hmm. grandfather and your simple life. You want to stay with me like I'm rich and I can give you nice things. Right. And the movie's like, no, that would be bad. <laughs> that would be a bad thing if she, you know, got a normal education. And and I get it that she doesn't want to be there. I'm being slightly facetious. Well, and it's interesting I, uh, to put that yeah. in the context of the 30s then, because people do want to rise above their situation for sure. Yeah. But. The rich people in America are very looked down upon um, sure. at the time because, in essence, they're to blame for the the Great Depression, hmm. right? In a way, right, right. But but then he becomes not the hero of the movie, but his like wealth and privilege is what ends up like saving Heidi from you know having to. All right, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I was watching this movie and I'm like, this is cool. There hasn't been any racist stuff. And then they tried to sell her to gypsies. And I was like, yikes. <laughs> there it is. So this was but when I, this yeah. was when the ant came back, right? And she was gonna take her again. Correct? D- she was did gonna not, didn't didn't Rottenmeyer try to sell oh, was her? It, I was it Rottenmeyer at that point? Yeah, I thought I thought so. Yeah. Okay. You might be right. Yeah. They they are very similar though, Dee Dee and, and yes, Rod and I was just like, yeah. good heavens, this poor little girl has been ripped now from one to <laughs> getting ready to be three, ho- I mean, quote unquote homes. You know, yeah. she's she needs someone to stand up for her. Yeah, yeah. Then, uh, yeah. So basically, the grand <laughs> only in the nineteen thirties. The grandfather shows up and his big hero woman is throwing this woman who weighs like 237 pounds less than him into the snow. Yes. And running off and running off with loved his granddaughter. It. Loved it. You loved it? <laughs> no, it caught me off guard, though. Like, I was like, oh, gosh. You know, like yeah, she, he really like, does just toss her like a rag doll. Uh, yeah, it was, it was. <laughs> he's a big dude. He's such yeah, a big dude. It, and I was like, that's his big hero moment. Like, yeah, yeah. there's silence so the audience can, hooray! Uh, then, and then the cops are like, you've kidnapped this girl. And I'm going to say, we've been talking about, like, Shirley Temple shtick, whatever. She's doing some heavy lifting, though, in this scene where she just has to be like, 
you know, screaming and crying about how she doesn't want to go with Rottenmeyer. And then, you know, as we mentioned earlier, the big saving grace is she's like, well, ask this super rich dude and, and he'll tell you the truth. And the cops are like, wait a minute, everyone stop. She knows a rich guy. Let's, she, let's see she what She knows happens. an old rich white man. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we got to hear what and, he has to say. Exactly. And then the movie... And then the movie ends with them all sitting around a picnic table and Shirley Temple saying, praying to the Lord, saying, please make every little girl and boy as happy as me. And then she looks in the camera and gives a smile. So, yeah, plenty of cheese, <laughs> pl- plenty of cheese. I think um, there were some good, like, sentimental moments. Um, I liked the moment when uh, or the scene when she uh, helped Claire walk like for her for her dad. I thought it was um, (laughs) a little icy that it because it was followed by that, you know, it was followed by the scene where he's like, no, you're going to stay with us forever. You don't get to go home. So it was like it was a little bit of a bittersweet, like collective scene. But the part where she's helping Claire walk, I thought was. I thought it was good. I uh, it softened my heart a little. Well, and I like the nuance <laughs> of the plot there. Like those yeah. two scenes juxtaposed um, mm. is very interesting to me because he is seeing what good she can be for yeah. his daughter, yeah. and so to him, it's very advantageous for her to be around. Um, yeah, and for his daughter's uh, like growth and personal and physical growth. Um, so I can see why it, you want to think that he's being very selfish, but he's doing it also for his daughter's good as well. Right. I think, yeah. I think it it's- tees up like a reward for Heidi. Like, right. absolutely. You've done, you know, but it, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. Um, how hard it would be for him to send her away. He, she's been there, what, a few weeks and, um, yeah. and Clara spent all that time with, Fraulein Rotterdam and uh she <laughs> <laughs> she had made no she had made no progress so i i would i could at least understand how difficult that decision would be for uh for yeah. a father yeah i was shocked how like complex some of the the characters were cuz you know i think we don't often give the classics their their fair share when we think about them cuz a lot of times you know we think they're boring or whatever but like you know, like we've been saying, these characters are not as one note as you would maybe expect. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to be uh, dived into. Zach, I'm wondering, uh, what other thoughts did you have about uh, Rottenmeyer, or as Brandon called her, Rotterdam? <laughs> um, hmm, more thoughts about her. Uh, I think she's a very... I'm intrigued by this. She's <laughs> a complex villain for this time, also, I feel. Um just because I think the ant is portrayed so much as a villain right. and we don't ever get to see any other notes of interest from her besides I'm a rotten woman. Um, <laughs> whereas the real rotten Meyer, um, yeah. I don't know. She, she feels a little bit more complex to me um, than the ant does. Also, we get to see her way more on screen. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know what her end game is. I think the right. putting the modern lens of the Munchausen by proxy thing on her is right. adds more complexity to 
the idea of her, at least for me. Um, but yeah, I, I sh- she's missing an end game though for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you're right because it seems she's like, I'm just going to keep this little girl like in a Because once she's and, like, getting, getting a nice fired, check. Yeah. then she's trying to steal yeah. Heidi. So then what is she going to do with Heidi? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think, do you think she's, <laughs> she's a metaphor for America? Like, if you idiots had just planned and stopped taking and taking from the stock market, which is Clara, then maybe this. <laughs> if you had just had a plan, you stupid dopes. The line. I, I don't think it is, but <laughs> the line. Remember, Clara, no excitement. You're you're still an invalid was like, good heavens. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> good heavens. That was that was common speak back then. If you're wondering who the villain of the movie is, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we, we found her. We yeah. found her. <sighs> so last uh, question here. Um, <coughs> here on Godfellows, we have some very dark days ahead of us. Uh, we're going to be talking about Bible Man. Uh, we're going to be talking about God's Not Dead 2. Oh, uh, just some, <laughs> some, some, do you want to be on that one, Brent? <laughs> no, <laughs> just, but just I will some, some truly, just some truly dreadful, dreadful films. And again, Heidi is a film that whether it was intentional or this is just the way things were back then it, well, like we've said, there is a very heavy Christian theme in this movie. So I'm wondering, um, Modern faith-based films tend to be pretty terrible because they um, are very heavy-handed and very preachy mm-hmm. and poorly made, like poorly made movies. So I'm curious if either of you think that modern-day faith-based films, uh, what what can they learn from a classic film like this? So uh, I think you hit. Thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head, Zach, and I feel like what what they can learn is don't be so heavy handed or ham handed as, as I like to say, don't always strive to be hitting the nail on the head. Um, I think, I think there, um, there is a way. And it, I said before, Heidi is a simple tale and it, it can be distilled down to just a very simple story. And that's what I would like to see more of from Christian media, simple stories with, you know, pleasant characters. We don't need to be flying in the face of all of the current cultural turmoil, you know, and, and just, I feel like all we're doing is muddying the waters and, um, and doing it quite poorly. You know, we're, we're not getting our, the, the, the film and the Christian film industry is not getting their message across that. We don't know what they want. We don't know what they're trying to tell us. You know, their, their movies are terrible. And, um, <laughs> I think they, yeah, they could, they could take lessons from a movie like Heidi, or, you know, I'm sure we could, we could sit here and think of some others also, um, tell simple stories. There are, there are great, there's, there's plenty of stories to be told. You know, you could, find you could never run out of stories to tell. Um, it, it doesn't always have to be just laced with Christian toxicity. You know, it can, it, there's, there's a way to do it properly. Yeah. 
I would say one, the first thing would be to have more funding. Um, <laughs> that helps. With all the wealth that's in evangelical Christianity in America, mm. it's amazing that they can't come up with the funding necessary to put together a good looking picture. Some can, yeah. but I, I don't know. It, it seems strange, um, that aspect of quote unquote Christian filmmaking. Um, also, like, some of the most powerful stories in the Bible are the parables. So like, yeah. I don't understand the disconnect between like the implicit or explicit storytelling in Christian media. Mm. Um, why not take an example from Jesus and <laughs> from just tell, I mean, what would Jesus do? He would tell a parable and, right. you know, at the end he always tacks on a message, but He's pretty implicit in in the way that he's telling it, and the people who are supposed to know what it means kind of garner the information they were supposed to receive, and the people who don't think, oh, that's a nice story, and they walk away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the story that even, you know, after the scene I was kind of poking fun at where we see a picture of Jesus and the orchestra goes crazy, <laughs> I mean, it's followed by the grandfather, you know, sharing a parable right. and later even though it's like pretty goofy in the movie they the parable of the the lost sheep you know they're all they don't get into and this story means this or that it's just like well this means something to the grandfather you know and in the same ways i think like for me personally i don't know if if you would agree the most powerful movies are ones that let me kind of process my own emotions and mm -hmm you know, really dig into what did that mean and what does that mean for me? And I think, you know, when we're watching these movies like God's Not Dead, which has scenes where the atheists get run over by cars and are like forced <laughs> oh, to convert gosh. on the spot, you know, there there's no subtlety there, you know, or, or when you're watching like Let There Be Light where Kevin Sorbo is, you know, a, a monster in real life too, I'm sure. But when when we're watching all these movies with no subtlety and just no no characters, no complex characters, um, yeah, I think and and Zach, like you were saying, these movies that just look like ugly mm -hmm. and that they're bad, it's kind of like why don't you guys maybe take a look at at some of these classic films and and like learn something for how to make uh for just how to make a movie or, or stories that are going to be more compelling, you know? But I think at the same time, you know, we, we kind of talked about that a movie like Heidi was kind of at the height of Shirley Temple's success. So it's very clearly made for the American, like, moviegoer. Mm -hmm. So they know that their audience is everyone. And I think, you know, these Christian movies are, they're allowed to be bad because it's like well the message is so important that it it doesn't have to look good and it's like no if you put like time and energy into something you know then it'll it'll last a long time and people will still be watching it like you know zach you and i both saw these movies like decades <laughs> afterwards mm -hmm. you know so it's it's clear like even though like yeah you could chalk it up to well shirley temple's really like you know, cute and funny. And, you know, it reminds us of, you know, an idealistic America. 
But I think that there has to be more under the surface for, you know, the movies that people really remember. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I feel like one trap, you sort of mentioned it, but one trap that Christian media or filmmakers fall into is that the message is just so so important that everything else suffers as opposed to making a very good film and trusting that the message will get through because (laughs) the film is good um right because there's no explicit message at the end of heidi or anything that we're supposed to draw from necessarily and like learn from but if you're a kid or even an adult watching this film you could be like oh she was really nice and made a great impact on that little other little girl's life because she was kind and loving and sweet and you know praying these uh characteristics that are worth putting out into the world yeah she sang in the house so much that her grandfather became nice yeah hey i i I don't want to minimize the power of a little girl walking around singing like (laughs) not not at all you think about a man who's lived by himself for years maybe decades and he finally has like a breath of fresh air a little ray of sunshine in his house i think in one of my like uh something i bumped on was like oh that was a quick transition what he was like suddenly like really kind to her and stuff i was like but i totally think that is something that could have played out that way just because she's so sweet. She has, she's kind. She has great manners. You know, she's not like, um, tearing up his house. Like, I think this is a relationship (laughs) that could have, could have formed, like could have formed this way. You know, I, I really, I did really enjoy that part. Well, and it's also a bit of his lost son come back to him. Yeah. Finally. Yep. Right. Um, because we're led to believe that this is, the child of the son who yes betrayed him so Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of the the kid he's never or like a new chance at life with this kid that he didn't get to have yeah yeah that is a good point brandon that you that you brought that up because i remember you know when you and i used to work together you would you would threaten me with you know different tools in the office then are you the the ray of of sunshine in this analogy no no, after the birth after the birth of after the birth of your daughter, you became much nicer to me oh, and stopped well. trying to spray me, spray me with aerosol cans. At, I resent at that. <laughs> well, folks, it's about that time where we're going to use our manners. Just like when they offered you more nutter butters at your Sunday school, when I offer you more content like Heidi. I'd like for you to please give me a yes, please, or a no, thank you. So, uh, Mr. Sharp, I have some uh, Nutter Butters here for you. Uh, Would you like some? I would not like Nutter Butters, but I did like the film. (laughs) I did like the film Heidi. Uh, I feel like with reservations that maybe like if I kept watching movies like this, the the saccharine portions may start to give me a little bit of a, a buzz. But watching one, you know, and the one being Heidi, I thought it was um, quite, quite a pleasant film, you know. And uh, like I said, it was uh, a good time for my daughter and um, my wife, who was a childhood fan. So. I would absolutely watch another uh, Shirley Temple movie and, um, you know, see where we go from there. All right. 
Uh, Zach, Brandon, will uh, will be having some more. Can I can I offer you some? Uh, yes, please. It uh, I, I had a good time watching this, and you know, fond memories of what I watched it growing up, and of other Shirley Temple films. Um, Brandon, this being your first, and you uh, being open to watching more, I would definitely suggest that you do, especially since you have a young daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, two, two. Wow, perfect. Uh, you got Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm. You've got mm. um, the Secret Garden. Uh, Ooh, I've not seen the Secret Garden. Yeah, there's a and copious amounts of even more Shirley Temple Bear. Oh, and a lot of these stories have remakes too. Sorry to hop it. Like, right? Well, there's lots no, of no, Heidi remakes. It. There's lots of Heidi remakes. There's lots of Secret Garden remakes. Right? Is that correct? Am I? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I guess I will round it out. And and I think I will say yes, please. As I said in my uh, letterboxed review, uh, this movie low-key slaps. And, <laughs> and, I, and I'll stand by that. I was surprised. While I definitely made a lot of jokes about um, the the spiritual and religious and Christian elements of this film, while I was poking fun at it, I don't think that those scenes that felt like a like they were a bit too much hindered the movie for me. You know, it was still an enjoyable experience. It was still um something that I would watch again. And I do think that it might I can't say this with any certainty, but I think this is some of the strongest acting that we get from Shirley Temple. Mm. Um so I think that and kind of like we've said, I think there's a lot that could be learned from this movie, even though it's not, you know, I don't think anyone would actually call it like a Christian movie because, you know, it's it's not. I think that there's a lot to be learned from if uh, Christian artists want people to take their films uh, seriously. And yeah, overall, it's a, I think this is good. And I would... In conclusion, folks, if you're looking for a classic film that is less than 90 minutes, as our friend Mitch says, every film should be 90 minutes. This one is an hour and 27, so it's a quick watch. Uh, you can still go on with your day after it's over. And there is a lot of genuinely good stuff. I would suggest that you uh, that you check this one out. But I would also suggest that you uh, check out some of our content. If you're on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, you can find us at Real Boys Podcast. That's R-E-E-L boys podcasts and if you want a more in-depth look at what we're doing you can hit up our facebook group called the real lounge it's where we have a little bit more of a um particular discussion about the content that we talk about on the show and yeah it's a it's a it's a good time we do live fun we do fun live events there and watch parties so definitely check that out but definitely Definitely check out our amazing guest, uh, Mr. Zachary Faneff. Once again, thank you so much for joining us and for talking about this film. And where can people find you and what you're doing? 
Um, I am at Zachary.Fanuf on Instagram, P-H-A-N-E-U-F. And also check out uh, at Thank the Academy podcast on Instagram. We release uh, episodes every week on Thursdays going in order. Um, our next episode, you know, we've just released number 12 as the re- of the recording of this. We've got 13 and 14. You know the drill. You can count. <laughs> <laughs> I, I certainly hope so. All right. Um, well, folks, make sure that you check back next time when we will be talking about Bible Man. This is one that uh, I've been dreading for quite a while, but I'm sure that it's going to be an absolutely amazing episode, and uh, we'll hopefully have some very fun guests uh, to talk about just this baffling, concerning media. (laughs) Well, folks, again, thank you for listening. Make sure that you check back next time, but until next time, I've been Mr. Zach. I'm Mr. Brandon. And I'm the other Mr. Zach. Well, the adventure is over. We're all heading home. But I hope that you know, friends, you're now